Hey everyone, welcome back to The News Never Ends. I'm Peter Ronson. And I'm Dan Ackerman. And if we sound a little different today, it is because we are doing this episode over Skype. Oh yeah, because Wi-Fi is frozen today. It is too cold (laughs) for Wi-Fi to travel through the air. It hits the air and it does that thing where it becomes ice and then steam again immediately. It's bizarre. That would really be hell. That would really be... That's that's the point where people would start taking global warming seriously. Is <laughs> if they couldn't get uh, on mini clip. Yeah, if, right. Yeah, if people couldn't game anymore. <laughs> if they can't watch uh, Star Wars, kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes, we are in the middle of a polar vortex. I don't know. Is it actually the coldest day in the history of Chicago? I think it's at least the coldest in a century. I haven't seen all this stuff. You know, everyone here. Well, is- I believe previous record was in the 80s in the negative 80s no in the 1980s oh was the the previous (laughs) record (laughs) and how did they measure then did they like tie a ball of mercury to a cat yeah they must have (laughs) um so yeah let me see i can't uh i can't read the chicago tribune because they they blocked me because i read my (laughs) article limit so no it does not look like Today did not beat the record for the coldest day, which was in 1985, I believe. Okay. Did it get close? How cold was 85? The temperature hit 27 below and the wind chill was measured at minus 78 degrees. Wow. So yeah, it could be worse, but it is extremely cold today. People shouldn't go outside. Hopefully people have a place to stay uh, and everyone's keeping safe out there. Yeah, I heard a couple Uh, of groups are handing out, uh, you know, hand warmers and helping people get to shelters. There's buses outside of shelters for temporary warming. So yeah, um, it's definitely going to be bad, but uh, I at least was able to stock up on cat food and human food and batten down the hatches here. I hope you're okay out there. Yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm just staying indoors today. Um, yeah, I made sure I had groceries and everything. And uh, as as all the listeners know, I have these good loud radiators, so they're doing their job. Yep, working hard. Uh, but yeah, they say it is colder in parts of the Midwest today than in Antarctica. Right. Yeah. So. That is why we are doing this over Skype. We're not in person. And also, um, a good chunk of this episode today, we are going to unlock an overtime episode for all of you. Uh, yeah, opening up the vault, giving you, uh, giving all you non-subscribers a little peek at what you're missing. We are going to, after Dan and I have a little chat right now about Howard Schultz, the coffee guy. We're going to race together. The guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to put at the end of this episode um, our conversation from the other week about Tucker Carlson, which was an overtime subscriber-only episode. It'll give you a, a peek at the great content you're missing if you're not a member of the Galaxy Brain Club. And if you're not, you should join right away because we're not going to open the vault up uh, every every week, only when there's a polar vo- vortex. And then when the polar vortex slides back down over us, that's the sound <laughs> Of the Disney vault closing once again. Well, let's 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 dive into it. Um, this week, all of America paused to uh, to to see what Howard Schultz is up to. He announced that he's going to run as an independent. Go back to Davos with the other billionaire elite who think they know how to run the world. That's not what democracy are you a big Starbucks drinker, Dan? No, not really. I don't drink coffee at all. So every now and then I'll get one of those milkshakes that's flavored like coffee that they have. Mm. But 
you know, other than the Frappuccinos, I, I'm not a big Starbucks guy. Yeah, they're bad. Like, um, I'm someone that, that likes to go write in a coffee shop or go do work in a coffee shop if I have any to do, but I never want to be doing work in a Starbucks. They're such a gross, on top of having shitty coffee, they have just like a gross atmosphere. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, could you imagine, and I mean, a lot of people do anytime you go to a Starbucks, but could you imagine like going to do work on your screenplay at a Starbucks? I definitely have tried like to do that before. And it, yeah, exactly. It is impossible. Yeah. And, right. And it's Starbucks are like, um, they're like McDonald's before all the McDonald's did those like huge remodels. They're just like frozen in time. Yeah. Like when you go to a, when you go to a Starbucks uh, it is the early 2000s there. Yeah, exactly. Still. And so I can imagine, you know, writing You've Got Mail in a Starbucks. <laughs> but, yeah, you know. Like uh, Nora Jones on the uh, speakers. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. you know, when I go down there and I write about, you know, like uh, hypothetical assassination plots or whatever, uh, it feels like Abby and Alana doing the Amazon ad like there's just something very off about it like this thing just lasted way past the time it should have hello Abby and Ilana welcome to the Amazon beta testing program what the yeah, what do you, I saw you were uh, you were trolling Alana Glazer <laughs> on Twitter. What do you know what that is? They're like doing are are they going to have an Amazon series or are they going to, are they do like doing ads for Amazon? I think they're doing ads for Amazon because it was for some they call it beta testing, but I don't know what exactly they're beta testing. But it was like hashtag Alexa. It was definitely an Amazon tie-in that yeah. the Broad City Girls are doing. I'm not sure exactly what's coming, but I can't imagine it's good. So Howard Schultz, the the big thing about Howard Schultz is he says that he's going to run as an independent. Yeah, he doesn't want to run. I think he was like on the View or something. He's been doing a media blitz. Yeah, lately. seriously. I think he was on the View, and he was saying that he wouldn't run as he is a Democrat. He's like a he's a regular like corporate Democrat. Right. But he said he wouldn't run as a Democrat because if you run in the Democratic primaries, you just have to promise free, 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 free <laughs> health care, free college, free, free, free. I would have to be disingenuous as a Democrat because if I ran as a Democrat, because. In order to run as a Democrat today, you have to fall in line with free Medicare for everybody, free, free college for everybody, a free job for everybody. Let me finish. And he's not about that. He doesn't want to lie to people. So instead, he's going to, uh... you know what? It is going to be fun, though, when Bernie Sanders wins the Democratic primary and then all of the Hillary stands from four years ago who, uh, you know, they they blame the whole election on Jill Stein and yeah. Russia, but Jill Stein is Russia, obviously, <laughs> that that they are all going to go vote for uh, uh, Howard Schultz. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, well, half of them yeah. will vote for Howard Schultz. The other half will vote for Michael Bloomberg. I think we're going to see a couple more independent runs, possibly. Yeah. And I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Because and, and what's ultimately going to happen is that they'll split the vote and they'll give the election to Donald Trump. Oh yeah. Inevitably. Which is what they, they know that that's what they're doing. Oh, I mean, yeah. Howard Schultz wants Donald Trump to get reelected if it's between that and Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, cause he's seen what two years of Trump is like and it's fine for him. Yeah. Right. And the only, 
issue that he he seems to be passionate about is like his taxes as a billionaire not going up. Right. Yeah. Let me see. He said something about Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. Uh, this was on the NPR Morning Edition, right, where he was talking about Warren and AOC and everyone together. When I see Elizabeth Warren uh, come out with you know a ridiculous plan of taxing wealthy people a surtax of 2% because it makes a good headline or sends out a tweet when she knows for in a fact that's not something that's ever going to be passed. This is what's wrong. I mean, we, we, you, you can't just attack these things in a punitive way by punishing people. Yeah, but I'm and did you see Michael Bloomberg doing the same thing that like Sean Hannity does now, where it's like, oh, you want to raise taxes on the rich to what they were uh, under uh, Kennedy, uh, Venezuela much? <laughs> I mean, they're literally they are just doing the the far right wing talking point where uh, any attempt to uh, to tax the rich at all is Venezuela. Like yeah, they're... not a Venezuelan roast, let me tell you, because <laughs> he's got enough of those. Yeah, that's the other thing. Starbucks is like a disgusting company. <laughs> and I know that they have I know that they, you know, they pride themselves on like offering uh, like a good benefits package to their employees. But since Howard Schultz has run, I've seen like a dozen people on Twitter talking about when they worked for Starbucks and their hours were kept deliberately under the threshold to to get those benefits for years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, Starbucks, that's their entire business model is just coming into neighborhoods and ripping out any community business there. They will yeah. undersell everybody. They'll put three Starbucks on the same block as a, a shop that's been there since coffee came to these United States. States. And, you know, I had a Starbucks, uh, that one by the Belmont stop around where I used to live, like on the corner of Clark, um, you know, basically it's still owned by Starbucks, but they sold it out to some, you, you know, outsourcing franchise that some other brand, it's like Mercado or something. Hmm. And there aren't even seats there anymore. So that they, you know, you're not even allowed to sit there. Uh, you can't take a break. All you can do is like buy a product and get the hell out. So, I, I mean, that's that's right. exactly that. That is the Starbucks model in a nutshell, and I, I don't know what he thinks is going to be attractive to hit, to voters about him. Like, what's yeah. his sell? Did you ever listen to the Slava Zizek thing about Starbucks? Yeah, how it's ideology in a uh, you know paper yes. cup. Right, you're buying ideology. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you. I mean, you don't even have to watch it to know what his take on it's going to be. <laughs> but I mean, that was the example of a company that does this phony. Uh, when you buy Starbucks, you're actually helping, uh, you know, coffee growers in Guatemala or whatever. Right. Uh, you know, which might be true uh, if you really narrow the scope to that one transaction between Starbucks and uh, the coffee growers. But if you look out at all, you see that it's completely an extension of American imperialism that's been ra uh, ravaging these countries. Yeah, I am kind of looking forward to, though, the possibility of a Howard Schultz presidency so that he can, you know, have one of those Kenyan style press conferences on the White House lawn where he just piles up instead of a bunch of confiscated ivory, just eight tons of plastic <laughs> straws and just lights them on fire. <laughs> and their coffee is gross. They burn their coffee. <laughs> like that's the that's the worst thing that they do is they can't even make a cup of coffee. Right? More than the monopolies, it's the yeah. shitty, shitty coffee. It's that I, it, making coffee is so easy. It's the easiest thing to make, and 
their coffee is gross and burnt. Like, honestly, McDonald's coffee is better than Starbucks coffee. Yeah. There, I said it. <laughs> honestly, I'd rather have a cup of Kofefe than <laughs> Starbucks coffee. It's really too bad you're remote calling in today because it just makes it that much more tempting for me to cut out all of your complaining about the coffee and just splice in that scene in The Sopranos where Paul Lee is complaining about coffee. Fucking Italian people. How do we miss out on this? What? Fucking espresso, cappuccino. We invented this shit. And all these other cocksuckers are getting rich on it. Yeah, isn't it amazing? And it's not just the money. It's a pride thing. All our food. Pizza, calzone, buffalo mozzarella, olive oil. These fucks had nothing. They ate pootsie before we gave them the gift of our cuisine. But this, this is the worst. This expressive shit. <laughs> Yes, please do that. What they've done to the proud Italian-American tradition. That's so funny that Italians also think they own drinking coffee. <laughs> <laughs> espresso? What the fuck is espresso? <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. Uh, have you seen some of these videos of Kamala Harris that have been going around? Yeah, my favorite is that one that Current Affairs tweeted. And I know it comes from something else, but the one where she's like making fun of people saying spend more money on schools instead of prisons. We all have these posters in our closet that is attached to a stick that we sometimes will card out when we're talking about criminal justice policy and those statistics that you first heard when we opened it up, incarceration. And we run around with these signs Build more schools, less jails. Build more schools, less jails. And we walk around everywhere. Build more schools. We protest. Build more schools, less jails. Put money into education, not prisons. There's a fundamental problem with that approach, in my opinion. And it's this. I agree with that conceptually. But you have not addressed the reason I have three padlocks on my front door. Yeah, exactly. She's literally mocking people who say, uh, right, build new schools instead of building new prisons. Right. And she's like, well, what are you going to say to me for the reason I have three machine guns locked down on my door yeah. in case anyone right. moves outside of it? And I, it's amazing. I mean, it's 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 something that's been building for a long time. Obviously, it has its roots much further back than Trump. It has its roots in 90s Clintonism, where, you know, tough on crime. But it really, like, metastasized into a new form under Trump with, like, we love the FBI. We love the FBI. Like, yeah. we love our cops. Uh, and now, you know, Kamala Harris is going to be the apotheosis of this. It's amazing. Whenever she talks about, you know— Anytime you hear her talking about crime, she, like, immediately goes to, like, what about the murderers? What about the rapists? Like, uh, all of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, How I, many yeah. weeks away do you think we are from her saying blue lives matter? Right. Seriously. I mean, she is saying that. And, and I mean, all these, like, you know, people on Twitter that stand for Hillary uh, that are now, like, don't call Kamala Harris a cop. Like, you just, you know— uh, she calls herself a cop. Like she repeatedly calls herself a cop. And yeah. she when she she's, when she was running for the Senate, she called herself the top cop in California. And she has no record as a senator. I mean, that's just a fact. She's only right. been a senator for for two years barely. Yeah. Um. So her whole record that she's running on is as a prosecutor. I didn't get to follow this story. Uh, I think it just happened today or yesterday or whatever. But that thing where she supported Medicare for all and then backed off of it immediately. Yes. Yeah. 
Do you know what the deal um, there is? Yeah, I mean, exactly what you said. I think it was when she was with Jake Tapper. You know, she she had said that part of her platform is Medicare for all. To reiterate, you support uh, the Medicare for all bill, I think, initially co-sponsored co by Senator Bernie Sanders. You're also a co-sponsor yes. on, on it. I believe it will totally eliminate private insurance. Um, so for people out there who like their insurance, well, they don't get to keep it? Well, listen, the idea is that everyone gets access to medical care. And you don't have to go through the process of going through an insurance company. But uh, now she's saying, like, she would be open to preserving the private insurance system. Uh -huh. Which, I mean, of course. Is right. that a surprise to anybody? Yeah. That she's already backing off? But then I saw that, like, they had a headline that was uh, Kamala Harris reverses her position on Medicare for All. And someone on her staff asked them to take down that headline and correct it. Even though that is exactly what she's doing. <laughs> but don't call it you know, reversing her position or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it seems like just another Jeb situation where there are all these easy things that she should have just picked one or the other on early on, but she can't respond to any of these questions. Yeah. And I mean, clearly her, uh, we've said this before. I mean, it's, it's just apparent that her plan is to run to the right of all these other Democrats. Yeah. Um, and she's probably going to win that way. So <laughs> good for her. Um, I'll be voting for uh, Howard Schultz. <laughs> Kamala Harris is a embody. She's Kamala Harris is a flesh version of all those houses in the far south side of Chicago, in the uh, suburbs that were all built by weird utopian factory owners, <laughs> um, like people who invented the freezer. Where now they're all just houses that look exactly the same on these weird grid patterns in the middle of a swamp that have two signs in the front lawn: one that says "Proud Union Member" and the other says "Blue Lives Matter." Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, right. I mean, minus the proud union member part. <laughs> um, yeah, it's bleak out there, but it is interesting. Remember when people were talking about Beto O'Rourke running? Yeah. That's like completely disappeared. It's amazing how quickly everyone, uh, is, is lining up behind Kamala Harris. Yeah. And it also feels like, I know we've had like joke candidates running people like pete Buttigieg or whatever or howard schultz right um but it is interesting it seems like kamala harris has uh, been pretty effective at uh like i don't know i think that her you know media blitz and her consolidation of support might keep joe biden out it might keep a lot of these people out yeah i think she's she's done a really impressive uh show of force yeah i think that's true i think we'll still have to see i think it could swing around for another person. And I don't think there's any contradiction for a lot of these news shows. They're just used to saying whatever movie the actor who's talking to you right now is on, that's going to be the biggest movie this year. And whatever politician you're talking to in the moment, their campaign is the most exciting. So I don't think they feel like it's contradictory. I don't think they even remember Beto until he shows up again. So that's true. That's yeah. definitely true. Um, Right. And she could always Marco Rubio out. I don't think she's going to. I think she's much smarter than Marco Rubio and she's just much better. She has she's much more charismatic than Marco Rubio. Yeah. Um, I think I've been saying this for a while. I think she is uh, really formidable. Yeah. Just keep that salt off your food, Kamala. Don't get that dry <laughs> mouth. <laughs> well, yeah. Anything else? Nah, I think I'm just going to. Cuddle myself up here in a blanket, get some hot cocoa, and just wait out the snow earthquake. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I know we were going to talk about, um, you know, uh, what's going on in Venezuela, the American government recognizing NYC Guido voice as uh, 
the new president of Venezuela. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about that at a later date. Hopefully we'll get someone on that can uh, talk to us about it. <laughs> we are going to restore democracy to Venezuela. It's the Mets, baby. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to make that joke. I, had, <laughs> awesome. uh, I yeah. have nothing else to say about it. <laughs> I know. Just because the Venezuela news was happening literally as we were as we were recording last week on Wednesday. So we yeah. didn't get a chance to say hands off Venezuela. And yes. probably we won't get a chance to really talk about it in detail for another couple of days. We have a couple of people who are possibly going to talk to us about it. Uh, I'm hoping all of them do, but it sounds like at least one of them will. So we'll get a real expert on it and not someone like us whose <laughs> only instinct is just don't support the empire. So yeah. that's all we can say right now is don't support the empire. Hands off Venezuela. Uh, yeah. Uh, don't. Uh, don't trust anybody uh, who's talking about this who is wrong about Iraq. Yeah. Like, I think that I think we have a couple of uh, just basic common sense things to say about it. But, yeah, hopefully we'll be able to get someone who can really inform us and you about it. Um, but uh, otherwise, yeah, keep safe out there and uh, enjoy this uh, conversation from the other week about Tucker Carlson's heel turn to anti-capitalism. Stay safe out there, everybody. Don't let the snow tornado get you down. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, guys. So the model, again, is Teddy Roosevelt, who was a capitalist, a patriot, a man of deep faith. He was not anti-business, and yet he restrained American businesses. He broke them up and was hated for doing it in the service of a higher goal, which was a stable, happy country where the traditions could be preserved. If he, he didn't do that, you know, there's there's no telling like what would have happened to the the WAP, you know, the IWW or whatever. We could have gone in a totally different direction. I mean, so I will admit I'm not a Teddy Roosevelt fan, and I would have opposed the trust busting. But so yeah, let's talk about Tucker Carlson. Now. Let's do it. So, if we must, let's do it. Tucker Carlson has been making a lot of news lately because on his Fox News show, which is like the highest rated cable news show there is, yeah. has been starting to has been starting to be critical of capitalism. As if putting a corporation first is empowerment. It is not. It is bondage. Why is it defensible to loan people money they can't possibly repay or charge them interest that impoverishes them? Payday loan outlets in poor neighborhoods collect 400% annual interest. Are we okay with that? We should not be. Libertarians tell us that's how markets work, consenting adults making voluntary decisions about how to live their lives. Okay, but it's also disgusting. Uh, which is very interesting. And I mean, he's still right wing, right? So it's, it is very much about how capitalism is breaking down white families and stuff and how in, uh, you know, it's like the J.D. Vance hillbilly elegy kind of thing. We have these hollowed out uh, rural white communities that are being destroyed by economic forces out of their control and, and we need to rein in those economic forces. Yeah, and you were saying, and it made even more sense after I watched the video once you recommended it to me, but it's basically the same stuff that conservatives have been saying about black people for forever. Yes, right. Like right. That, that culture and economics are connected, that, you know, uh, single parent families and the breakdown of the family and drug addiction. These are all not only factors in contribution to economic breakdown, but they're the results of economic breakdown and hopelessness. A lot of Americans are drowning in stuff. And yet drug addiction and suicide are depopulating large parts of the country. Well, right. And so, yeah, I mean, this has been this has been an active debate 
in on the right wing for a long time. And, and yeah, exactly what you're saying. You know, for so long, the biggest victims of like the, the people suffering the most from capitalist dislocation were black urban communities. Yeah. And at that point, the Republican line was all about personal responsibility. Right. And it was about, you know, uh, don't have kids out of wedlock, get married, have kids, stay married, uh, stay married, go to college, right. delay having children. It has nothing to do with race and everything to do with culture. And when you have a culture that doesn't. And when, and when, it, you know what? Explain to me. You explain to me why black kids aren't graduating high school. Explain that one to me. Explain to me why black kids are shooting each other in rates significantly higher than whites are shooting each other. Explain to me why 13% of the population is responsible for 50% of the murder. Explain to me why the, why the number of blacks and black kids in prison, not for innocent reasons, not for walking down the street and getting pulled into a prison, is so high. Explain If it has nothing to do with culture, explain to me why the single motherhood rate in the black community jumped from 20% to 70% in the same course of time that the civil rights movement has made such tremendous strides. The statistics still are, if you look at it from the end of the spectrum of who ends up in jail, who ends up a murderer, who ends up a teenage runaway, who ends up getting pregnant out of wedlock herself, who ends up a rapist, about 70%, according to both the Village Voice and all these conservative um, pro-family groups, are going to be the children of single mothers. I mean, that is simply a fact. Now, imagine an America with 70% fewer teenage runaways, fewer teenage murders, fewer teenage drug addicts, fewer teenage pregnancies. That's what single mothers have created. And like I say, if you want what's best for your child, if you are pregnant out of wedlock, either marry the father, and by the way, shotgun marriages used to work just fine, but we've gotten rid of the stigma of a woman having a child out See, of wedlock. It doesn't help matters when primetime TV has Murphy Brown, a character who supposedly epitomizes today's intelligent, highly paid professional woman, mocking the importance of fathers by bearing a child alone and calling it just another lifestyle choice. Personal responsibility, bootstrapism, that's what we Don't think do of. Don't do weed. Right, exactly. And that's what we think of as being the foundation of conservatism or the cornerstone of conservatism. But conservatism is, in reality is a lot more varied of, of, than that. And we talk about how, you know, we think about like the difference between European conservatism versus American conservatism. But certainly... There they call it bumper shoot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but... I mean, and like that's Reaganism, really. Like since yeah. Reagan, that has been the line. If you're poor, try not being poor, right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, uh, yeah. How about you? You act like a rich person, you know? <laughs> and I mean, this is exactly the David Brooks line. Yeah. Is is dress um, for the socioeconomic class you want to belong exactly. To. Poverty is a failure of character on the individual. Right. Right. And for a while, that was compelling for Republican voters because. The people being hardest hit economically were black urban people who were not in the Republican Party coalition. If you are a Republican Party voter, you don't know these people. You don't have anything to do with these people. These are people far away. And therefore, it is easy to say they need to start taking personal responsibility and, and their poverty is their own fault. Yeah. In the last two decades, three decades, uh, that economic dislocation has hit white rural people right like all these factories closing down and it uh, re the conservative and the sacklers we just found out personally pushing opium on the people yeah exactly right, right. Like drug addict you know basically the crack epidemic all of these things that 
decimated black urban communities in the 80s when Reaganism uh, right. you know, took over and in the 70s, uh, they have all come home to hit white rural uh, yeah. middle America. Exactly, right. And yes, and when people are talking about, you know, hillbilly elegies uh, so much about like the opiate uh, crisis. Right. So there's, it's been a very active debate um, in conservatism. How should we regard these uh, white rural people? So... A while back, Kevin Williamson, our favorite, who's uh, famous for getting fired immediately from the Atlantic when they found out his abortion views. Yeah, that he wanted to kill people who had them. Yeah. Kevin Williamson, a while back, basically took the line of, I am going to say to white rural poor the same thing that we've been saying to black urban poor. Uh, And he wrote this article in February 2017 for National Review, Help Them Move. Uh, how to assist the poor in seeking better homes. And basically his argument was, if you're a poor person, if you're a white rural poor person, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There are no jobs where you live. Go move to where there are jobs. Right. Come on. You're not going to be able to get a work, get a job in a factory like your father and grandfather could. So you have to uh, go to community college, learn a trade, move to a big city. Right. Yeah, uh, that's to, his argument. Go to coding boot camp. Yeah, exactly. Learn I mean, meme. right. As if that were a realistic solution, you know, for any individual that might be the right thing to do, but as if that is a meaningful solution for a huge social problem that's happening. And suddenly, when now you're not telling black people that it's a problem with their character, but you're telling white people it's a problem with your character, a lot of conservatives bucked to that and yeah, they were they not back yeah, they pushed it. back and they you know they were like well what you know you can't just say it's personal responsibility and you can't suggest that these people need to change their whole lifestyle their whole way of life and you know it's not easy for somebody who grew up in a rural community their whole life to just up and move to a city this was fascinating yeah. in the and we can get back to you know tucker on his own uh too but right I, you also recommended the ben shapiro tucker carlson yes. debate that they had on ben shapiro's sunday special or whatever yeah are you calling for a redistribution into these areas I mean, because it I'm seems calling like- for whatever it takes to stop this. And uh, he's so Tucker Carlson is promoting his new book, Ship of Fools. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, it's all <laughs> like really miss. It made me miss lying liars who lie. Yeah. But yeah, he's promoting his, uh, you know, 2018 book that uh, now he's on tour for. And Ben Shapiro, you know, talks to him first about the stuff they agree on, which is, you know, boohoo, people are getting triggered, college campus, free speech, blah, blah. And then they got into the section of the, uh, you know, interview, whatever, that was really a debate. And it was just between Ben Shapiro, who is much more in the Kevin Williamson camp of, like, religious extremists right. who wants free to kill market. people who have abortion. Yeah, exactly. And because they're both just getting paid by the Koch brothers. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they are free market radicals. Yeah. They want, you know, no matter the consequences, they think the market is the ultimate judge of what should happen. And uh, Tucker Carlson is saying, I think that's kind of cold to these people who are just being wiped out, whose communities and traditions and right. families and uh, children are being massacred by capitalism. The economic impetus behind family destruction is totally underappreciated by conservatives. So they looked at the landscape of inner city America for 50 years and they're like, nope, you know, family formation's gone. Like the overwhelming majority of kids grew up without a father. That's a cultural problem. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, it is a cultural problem. That's one way to describe it. But what's its root? Why did it happen? Well, look at rural America now where you're seeing the incidence of childless, of, of fatherlessness 
like spike in rural America, divorce among white people is now the rule. Out of what like births and a lot of zip codes are the majority. It's not, why did that happen? because the men make less than the women. But they talk specifically about this moving issue because like that has become this symbol, it seems like, of the conservative debate. Like, should you tell white people to move? And Ben Shapiro, I thought it was fascinating. He said, basically, that's the biblical uh, line is go west, young man. Like, yeah. take yourself out of the, uh, the land of your forefathers and go into this strange new place. Or should be saying to people, listen, America was built by folks who crossed mountains to go to the middle of nowhere in pure risk. And you are guaranteed nothing in the United States but the adventure of your life. There are 7 million unfilled jobs. Maybe we need to actually move. Maybe you need to go to North Dakota and get a fracking right. job. Yeah, leave, yeah, leave your parents' graves in the town you grew up in to move to some solar city and become a cog in some Think, well, I mean, that, that's, I mean, the biblical mandate, leave the land that you've known and yeah, go to some I mean, place for I, adventure. I, yeah. I don't know. I, like, that's the American dream right. is to so uh, that, yeah, so that the you Western can territory. work in data entry, so that you can work in some shitty uh, cubicle job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can do the equivalent of what happened to your forefathers who came over to, like, be the miners. Yeah. Like, why do these Appalachian communities exist? Because they needed people to kill Native Americans and just destroy the earth so that capital's engines could be powered. Right. And so now capital has other sources of power and those people, their work has dried up. Factory towns only existed because, you know, there was a power plant there right. or a Ford factory or whatever. And so he's saying, yeah, now that, you know, the, the grace of God has left those places, you got to find where it's going, which is California, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what they'll say when all of America is bankrupt. Yeah. Are they going to say, well, then I guess the Lord's well, favor right. has moved again. And these people, right. And people like Ben Shapiro fundamentally don't have anything to offer poor people. No. And people whose ways of life are getting destroyed. Despite all the talk about economic stagnation in the United States since 1979, you can get a lot better stuff. That cheap colored plastic crap is not just junk from China. I mean, you're talking about better cars, better refrigerators, better air conditioning, bigger houses in many yeah, cases. That's great. I'm uh, for that. Yeah. I benefit for all of that. How's that work? I what's, mean, this, what's the suicide rate doing right now? Uh, another part of that debate, or perhaps it was a different debate with Ben Shapiro and Tucker Carlson, that I remember was about driverless cars. Yes, that's and the same one, yeah. the way that they framed it was, and who knows if this is really true or not, but the way that they framed it is we are 10 years away from driverless cars. And that poses a big problem because uh, one of, or perhaps even the biggest source of employment for men without college degrees is as truck drivers. Yeah. Yes. And you make specific reference to truck driving and the fact yes. that there are going to be these automated cars on the roads. So would you, Tucker Carlson, be in favor of restrictions on the ability of trucking companies to use this sort of technology specifically to, you know, sort of artificially maintain the number of jobs that are available in the trucking industry? Are you joking? In a no. second. In a second. In other words, if I were president, would I say to DOT, Department of Transportation, we're not letting driverless trucks on the road, period. Why? Really simple. Driving for a living is the single most common job for high school educated men in this country, in all 50 states. By the way, that's the same group whose wages have gone down by 11% over the past 30 years. The social cost of eliminating their jobs in a 10-year span, five-year span, 30-year span, is so high that it's not sustainable. So the greater good is protecting your citizens. 
And the way they framed it, those are good jobs. We could talk about the ways that those are not good jobs. Right, yeah. And they actually, and there was a New York Times article about, recently, about how difficult the life of a truck driver is. Yeah. And how they destroy their bodies. Yes, exactly, yeah. Isolating it can be. So these are not good jobs, but they're good paying jobs. Yeah, and they've they've become a little less good paying recently. They're basically stagnant or have gone down in Um, wages. And you see those, you know, just to talk about the, 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 like, symbolism of the destroyed bodies of these people uh i'll never forget that image of the guy who just like was not told about sunscreen soon enough oh my god and his whole left side of his body Uh. is just emaciated by uv rays because that's the one that the window uh is open to and his right side of his body looks you know how you would imagine a person of his age looking and the left just looks like picture of dorian gray right we can talk about all the ways that these are uh these are actually really punishing difficult body destroying jobs but at least the way they were framing it and and it's true to some extent this is one of the last ways for somebody without a college degree to achieve a middle class existence in yeah. America uh, and it is it's a huge for- source of employment for for men without college degrees yeah uh, and again according to their framing and let's just say it's true we're 10 years away from driverless cars just being ubiquitous and all of these jobs disappearing so what should we do about it right Ben Shapiro the free enterprise line is just there's we shouldn't do anything about it yeah it's good this is the march of progress it is good and these people need to take personal responsibility and learn how to code right. and move to a big city. Yeah. Um, and do repair yeah. on driverless cars or right. I, I don't even know. And Tucker Carlson's response to that was, no, that is unacceptable and that's just not going to work for these people. And we need massive government intervention that is going to preserve these jobs. Yeah. You know, we need uh, the government imposing a moratorium on driverless car research. Yeah, exactly. Or whatever. Just but banning driverless massive government right. intervention to preserve these jobs because it is such an important source of work. Now, you and I are socialists. Right. Or whatever. Right. To the left. So we could actually <laughs> conceive of actually, first of all, driverless cars are good because reducing the amount of necessary labor is a good thing. Right. The problem comes in capitalism where uh, performing labor is the only way to get resources. But but just the fact that all of this labor is going to become unnecessary is a good thing. We just need to come up with a way to provide for these people. Yeah, what Tucker Carlson is admitting is that capitalism has these built-in inefficiencies because it needs to provide for people. Like, if if you do intervene in capitalism, if you do some kind of, you know, Neanderthal Keynesian intervention like this, you're saying, yeah, like, it's a bad thing for us to uh, benefit uh, the system it, for it to make it, to make the system more efficient uh, uh, for you know the amount of labor that's needed to be reduced right but and 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 right the idea of keeping all these truck drivers on after the technology exists to have driverless cars is the same idea as paying one group of people to dig a hole and paying another group of people to fill the hole in yeah absolutely right? but that's just a, a response to the crises that capitalism creates yeah yeah for I mean for us we can have a different kind of conversation because we, because we have that viewpoint right. but yeah for for Tucker Carlson it's just the idea of creating a you know preserving these jobs of, of intervening uh, you know to to preserve this lifestyle this way of life for people i find that interesting because that is clearly the where that is clearly where conservatism is headed and that also talks that points to something that we have talked about before which is the tradition of anti-capitalist conservatism right because honestly if you're going to be a conservative and you're going to talk about traditional values and traditional ways of life and how you know we need to look to tradition 
to guide the way we live, then you do at some point need to confront the issue that capitalism is the great destroyer of traditions and the tr- and traditional ways of living. Yeah. And in in Europe, you do have anti-capitalist conservatives, right? I mean... Yeah, and they are basically all yeah. the blood and soil people. Right. They, I know. Yes, they are terrible in their own... They are, they're fascists, basically. Exactly. They're terrible yeah. in their own way. And this is what you said to yeah. me, is that basically Tucker Carlson is right... He's a hair's breadth away from becoming a national socialist. Yes, exactly. I just think that policymakers never should avert their gaze from the goal, which is a stable society. Uh, exactly, exactly. Right. This is, this is the first step to fascism. This is the idea of we need socialism for white people. Right. You know, and it makes a lot of sense. This is something that, um, I heard Matthew Iglesias say. He's, you know, he, he can critique this stuff. He's Bernie Curious. Yeah, exactly. You know, the idea that the Republican Party would be an ideological party or the idea that parties are even ideological doesn't really make sense. In reality, what parties are are coalitions that need to work to allocate resources for their coalition. Right. So the Republican coalition is all these poor white people that are getting screwed by capitalism. It won't really work for Republicans to say, well, we ideologically believe in capitalism, so they need to move to cities and go to college. Really, they need to say, well, we're Republicans and they are our constituents, so we need to work for our constituents. We right. need to win resources for our constituents. Yeah. The Republican Party is an all-white party, so what that is going to lead to is them saying we need socialism for white people. We need to uh, use government intervention to uh, preserve this way of living for white people. Yeah. I mean, this is the this is Herrenvoke democracy, right? This is like this is what the Nazis were on about, right? Yeah, yeah. which is basically, I mean. Originally, the terms capitalism and socialism didn't refer to actually existing systems except as polemical terms, right? Capitalism was an unreasonable and inhuman commitment to the interests of capital. It was just a – it's like feminist or uh, uh, or uh, it's like suffragette or impressionist where it started as a slur and then people took it up. Capitalism was just by definition a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, it was a social problem and socialism was supposed to be – like a utopian alternative to it. And so, of course, it makes sense that they would take up the utopian aspects of socialism and say, yeah, that sounds pretty good to us now that we are facing capitalism. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and we've we've t- been talking for a while about, you know, the Republicans are fascists or the Republicans are lurching towards fascism. This is what it would look like. Yeah. Uh, we need a border wall. We need to keep out people of color as you know climate change accelerates there are going to be more and more refugees rushing here we need to keep them out and we need to preserve the standard of living for white people yeah and tucker carlson is very very close to to exactly that line yes the pathologies of modern rural america are familiar to anyone who visited downtown baltimore in the 1980s stunning out of wedlock birth rates high male unemployment a terrifying drug epidemic Two different worlds, similar outcomes. How did this happen? Well, you'd think our ruling class would be deeply interested in knowing the answer, but mostly they're not. They don't have to be interested. It's easier to import foreign labor to take the place of native-born Americans who are slipping behind. We have a moral obligation to admit the world's poor, they tell us, even if it makes our own country poorer and dirtier and more divided. And, I mean, I think we've made it clear from the way we're talking about it. We're not saying it's good that Tucker Carlson is critiquing capitalism. Right. It is extremely dangerous that 
we are nearly at the point where the only people offering compelling critiques of crap capitalism are fascists. Yes. Uh, which has historically been a way that fascists have come to power. Right. Because... Because the left is smashed. Because the liberals... The alternative. Right. Exactly. The liberal party suppresses the socialists, and then the only people offering a compelling critique of capital are the fascists. Right. And we are so close to being there as a country. And it basically, it makes sense as the rounding up, you know, sort of the end game for what's wrong with Kansas, right? Like, the Reagan conservative movement was always this contradiction between these, you know, uh, astroturfed libertarians who were just being paid for by capital, and these, you know, family values, radical Christians, uh, basically. You know, white racists uh, in that coalition and whatever yeah. traditionalists, whatever you want to say. But uh, yeah, I mean that something had to give eventually. Yes, and you already have the point that where there is a huge coalition in the Democratic Party, possibly the biggest coalition, uh, that basically wants to bring in Ben Shapiro, bring in Max Boot, bring in all these neocons, the Never Trump Republicans form a party of capital yeah and then you will have to the right of them tucker carlson and donald trump and all of these hair and vogue people yes um and then you will have a totally suppressed socialist party yeah uh yeah oh boy <laughs> that's where we're at now yeah yeah it's very scary and it, i mean truly the choice has always been socialism or barbarism uh, and now we're there yeah. as a country. Yeah, we're just distilling yeah. them into those camps even more. <sighs> Can't wait. Yeah. It is bad. It's bad out there. Uh, and and yeah. I guess this was the – this critique of capital, to be fair, was the thing that finally pushed the ASPCA over the <laughs> line. They will no longer be advertising oh, on Tucker Carlson's show because they're the free market. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is why I, I don't know if you'll go here with me. This is why uh, it is so important for people to um, to get behind Bernie Sanders. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Because, because you need uh, somebody on the left offering a critique of capital because a lot of people are going to more and more people understand that capitalism has abjectly failed them and if if the alternative to Bernie Sanders is that we will be at a place where the Democrats become the party of capital um, a broad centrist coalition and Republicans uh, you know probably post Trump maybe it'll be Tucker Carlson maybe he will run for president who knows um, I, I would not be surprised at all at this point. Um, so you have the centrist capital Democratic Party and you have the fascist Republican Party that is actually offering something to white people in America um, and no other voices. The Socialist Party has the Socialist movement has been completely suppressed on yep. the left. Um, the Trump one wins. Yes, in exactly. That, in that showdown, no question. Right, and and the 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 liberal party will help them, yeah. and and will, uh, I mean, it, it, that that is the, that is very similar to what happened in Weimar Germany. Yeah. Uh, the the only, and what yeah. has already happened in Brazil and yes. what is repeating itself all over the world right now. Uh, the only way we can avoid that fate, um, you know, as imperfect as Bernie Sanders is, and as imperfect a messenger for socialism he is. Uh, he's our only option. Yeah. Uh, 
especially if some kind of civil war breaks out and he's our Carl Liebknecht, <laughs> I'm all the way behind him. If he can declare a, you know, independent DC Republic, <laughs> I'll head down there. Yeah. I'll fight the returning soldiers who are brought back from the front. Vermont Republic. <laughs> Vermont Republic. Yeah, I'd do it. I'd do it. Uh, <laughs> big old cow flag. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, I, yeah. Like, I... I don't know. I buy the whole dual power thing that you should work just in any avenue you can to forward the best option available. I don't see a better one than Bernie. I am really worried he's not going to run and that that avenue, that 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 avenue, that outlet will just be totally closed to any kind of left wing interest. Yeah. Very scary. Uh, We need to draft him. We need to do it now. I think he is going to run. Yeah. I don't know. But maybe so. he'll die, and then I don't know. Maybe we could like uh, puppeteer his Weekend body. Weekend at Bernie's, yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> it's all the the message was always there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That is. That's what I believe. That we should take the the rotting corpse of Bernie Sanders and elected president. <laughs> the best we can do. No, no. It's a practical reality. Every society is hierarchical. I'm not arguing against that. People are innately hierarchical. So are dogs. It's a mammal thing. Okay? So you're not going to change that. There will always be people who are making more decisions than other people, who are making more money than other people. They are the people at the top of your society. What has changed from previous generations is not simply the magnitude of the concentration of wealth and power, though I do think as, like, measurably that it is more disproportionate than ever. But that's not really what's changed. What's actually changed is the mindset of the people in charge. They no longer acknowledge they're in charge, and they no longer acknowledge that they have a responsibility to the people whose lives they influence.